Welcome to Roadhouse Minute, the podcast where we review the best bad movie of all time, Roadhouse, one minute at a time, and where we always try to be nice until it's time not to be nice. I'm Roger. Sadly, no Marcy again this week, but she'll be rejoining us again very soon. I promise, listeners, really, I promise this time. Um, But once again this week, we're so privileged to be joined by two most august podcasters in their own right uh, from the Indiana Jones Minute. Pete Mummert, how are you doing, Pete? Good. Thank you. And Tom Taylor. How are you, Tom? I'm doing all right. So here we are. This is minute 107 of Roadhouse. Um, This minute starts with Wesley menacing Dalton with a spear, uh, and it ends with Dalton preparing to rip out Brad Wesley's throat. (laughs) So this is, I mean, this is basically the fight scene. Like we kind of, we just barely kicked it off at the end of the last minute, and it's all going to happen in this minute. So... Where should we start? Where would you all like to start breaking down this this particular fight? What were your moments that you feel like we should talk about first? Can well, I just point I, out? Oh, oh, well, I just want to point out that right as the fight's starting, you see that in spite of all the death and violence and you know violent implements in this room, that Wesley does manage to have a nice, a very pleasant, soothing flower arrangement on his. <laughs> Brad yeah. Wesley loves his potted plants, you know. So if <laughs> you does. had been on in some of the previous minutes, and I'm sorry, Marcy isn't here, because in addition to being our fashion consultant, she's also our horticultural expert, and she would have been able to tell us about these. But he seems to love floor-to-ceiling potted plants. Hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's a nice touch. It is yeah. a nice, a nice touch. Uh, Tom, what were you going to say? I was going to say that, and this is a comment for almost every fight scene ever or action movie or something. That there, I, I wish that I, I'm still look, waiting to see a fight scene where you can't quite see that the actor is, you know, he's going at him with a spear. Bengazar is going after him with a spear, and he does it a little bit to the side, like he gives Patrick yeah. Swayze room to get out of the way and stuff. Or it's like, you know, it's like he might like punch high so that. Patrick Swayze can duck low or something like that kind of thing. You see a little bit of that telegraphed and, and it's not even a knock against this movie because it happens in almost every single fight. Yeah. That, I mean, that's certainly true. There's definitely a, there's a lot of choreography I'm sure going on, mm-hmm. especially because, you know, one of the two people is Ben Kazera, who is, you know, probably not a professionally trained fighter. Yeah. Um, if you go back and watch that scene though. So, you know, we were lucky enough to have Marshall Teague who plays Jimmy on our podcast a little while ago. Yeah, um, wow. Awesome. Yeah. It's a good get. Um, and, yeah. you know, that fight that they have, which is, you know, by far the most intense fight, they were talking about, like, I mean, obviously there's a lot of choreography in that fight as well, but, mm-hmm. like, all the kicks in that fight are real kicks. Like, they are really wailing on each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, Marshall wow. Teague uh, broke one of Patrick Swayze's ribs. <laughs> wow. And Patrick Swayze broke a bone in Marshall Teague's eye. Wow. Oh, my God. Filming wow. that fight on the first night. Honestly, like, I heard that uh, wow. Charlie Charlie Paterni, who's the stunt coordinator, also mm-hmm. the stunt co- coordinator on, on Die Hard, like, he's a legend. Mm-hmm. Um, he he and the guy who's a second second unit or the second director came in and says, like, look, guys, we got to do four more nights of this, and we have the rest <laughs> of the movie to film, so you all need to tone it down. <laughs> right, you're just in a movie. Um, so, but, yeah, no, I know what you're saying. Uh, certainly the... There's a lot of exaggerated spear lunging yeah. in this minute, yeah. but it looks pretty, pretty good. Mostly. It does. I think mm-hmm. Ben Gazzara does a pretty good job of of uh, of selling it. And I will just point out: so if you look at the beginning of this minute, if like if you if you rewatch it, mm-hmm. you do get sort of uh, at least mildly incapacitated Dalton. 
You do, um, yeah. You're right now. Like it's, his arm is just kind of there, not doing much. His the left, other thing um, I really liked about this is that if you think back to the fight scene in the bar um, mm-hmm. with Wade and Dalton versus Jimmy, I feel like Dalton has adopted the exact same posture. Patrick Swayze looks exactly like Sam Elliott in this minute, where he's essentially oh, okay. he's hunched over. He's sort of just trying to protect himself, mm-hmm. um, and because I think he knows he has to kind of pick his spots, yeah. Because um, he's up against someone who, you know, for what for whatever you want to say about it, is packing superior firepower at this point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, he even does the knee thing too that Sam Elliott does uh, earlier to the that is, the, at the truck. Yeah, that's actually the so that's the third time we've 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 been retaught this lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, the the first time I think was out at the loading dock, and the second time was. Um, when Dalton does it to catch him um, after the mm. knife in your boots scene. And now we get the third time where if you hit a guy in the knee, he'll drop like a stone. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I believe yeah. it too. My knees yeah. hurt thinking about it. <laughs> this fight is pretty brutal. It is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It kind of, it kind of, so you made a, a Rocky reference um, and it, <laughs> it kind of reminds me a little bit of Rocky too, in the sense that, oh. you know, at, at some point in this fight, you kind of get the feeling like both guys, like if you go ahead to like second 25, <laughs> literally both guys are on the floor. And yeah. it's almost like whichever one can haul himself up to the top rope is going to win this yeah. fight. <laughs> right. Um, the, these guys are not, they, they are, they're not holding back. Somebody's going to mm-hmm. finish this fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's funny. Ben Gazzara should sort of keep his mouth quiet because he keeps saying everything he says kind of telegraphs that he's had it. That he's like kind of on the ropes like even before the fight when he's like, ah, let's talk about it. Uh, okay, you're obviously a, a a a powerful foe. Maybe I can't deal with this. Let's split up the town. And now he says this thing about um, what is it like? Uh, you know, I I was looking forward to fighting you, but let's. Yeah. Uh, I'll just shoot you instead. I, I thought it'd be fun to thing. fight you, Dalton. But yeah, I yeah. Just, frankly, I just don't have the time. What right. what is what is his engagement calendar look like that he doesn't have it like, what do you think he's got why do we schedule that so, like, I've, exactly got, now. I've got so much time to spend extorting money from the people in jasper i don't have time right. to fight you well maybe he really doesn't have enough time because usually he would be able to send out his flunkies to go shake down the local business oh yeah that is now true. it's just him like i don't other than tinker there's really no one left Mm-hmm. So oh, he's like man. Wheel of Fortune's coming on in 15 minutes, and I got. <laughs> yeah. Or uh, it's it's uh, 20 minutes to Wapner, maybe. Right. Yeah, yeah. I didn't set um, the VCR, so I got to take care of this. I should probably ask you in this minute because I feel like the next minute is sort of a little bit too consequential to bring this up. Do mm. you all have any strong feelings about the actor Ben Gazzara? I like him very much, and this is the part where I have to admit shamefully that I've never seen any of his John Cassavetes movies. So I'm a little ashamed of that, but I do love him from everything I've ever seen him in. You know, I mean, he's in Lebowski. He he directed a Columbo, which is cool. Although he's never in a Columbo. He should have been. That would have been great. <laughs> did you ever see... Um, so, Tom, did you ever see that TV show that he was on, Run for Your Life? No, no. I haven't seen it. The premise sounds great. The premise is basically you get a diagnosis from your doctor that you're going to die in two years. Now go mm-hmm. live the rest of your life. Oh wow! And so he just basically goes off and like has adventures and capers. It's wow. supposed to be great. It's it was his sort of that was the vehicle that actually launched him mm-hmm. um, back into his career, and he was nominated for Emmys. So presumably oh, cool. he's halfway decent. Pete, what about you? What do you think about Ben Gazzara? I've always liked him, and um, I, I just looking up. I I didn't realize he was this one of the great stars of Anatomy of a Murder. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was the he was the the guy. <laughs> that, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Which is, I did uh, not know him. Sorry. Go ahead, Pete. Well, well, if you don't like old movies, that's another one that might change your mind. <laughs> I, actually. Yeah. You know what? I think I think if you go past a certain point, then I start liking them again. You know, like <laughs> I I would like it's your, in black and white your Hitchcock movies. Um, yeah. I, I'm down for that. Cool. For sure. Yeah. He's he's kind of an old school actor. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's a story on the on the on the special edition where people are kind of recounting their memories of him. He's one of those actors that only referred to the other people in the crew by their job function. So it's like <laughs> okay. makeup. Wow. You know, costume or, or like, uh, yeah. you know, wardrobe. Um, mm. Cause you know, back and it's not like he's being insensitive. It's just like when you were brought up as a professional actor in the fifties and sixties, that's the way mm-hmm. you were trained. Mm-hmm. Wow. So but right. so it, in this movie, he's like he'd be like late. He's in his late fifties. Yeah, like, I, I mean, as yeah. a human being, he's like in his late fifties. So this is this mm-hmm. is some pretty good fighting for a, a sort of a a man in the autumn of his years. I think so too. I think so guy. too. That he does a he does a pretty good job. I think he's acting someone who's about in his fifties. If you sort of do the timeline, maybe in his I would say in his late fifties, right? Yeah, because like, he's yeah, the actor was born in nineteen thirty, so. He right, and, been, and like, Brad Wesley yeah. tells us earlier in the movie that he was in Korea. Mm. Oh, so oh yeah, so yeah. Definitely. If you were in Korea in the early '50s, and this is, let's say, the movie was also set in 1989, that's about yeah. 40 years after. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that that kind of checks out. Late 50s. And I think he'd have been in Korea in Anatomy of a Murder too, as a matter of fact. Oh. Maybe yeah, that's his he move. Was like an ex-serviceman. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, he was. Yeah, I can I can only play Korean War veterans. <laughs> right. That's such I a weird the same timeline for my entire acting career. Such a weird niche. <laughs> there are some weird coincidences like that. Like I'll just mention in passing, just because it's such an amusing trivia fact. The the song from the love scene in Roadhouse, which is "These Arms of Mine" by Otis Redding, is the exact same song as the love scene in Dirty Dancing. Oh, like apparent, wow. apparently funny. there's only one song that Patrick Swayze can get it onto. <laughs> I guess so. That's in his contract. Exactly. Um, what else? I don't, I mean, other than the action, like, and, and, you know, we could talk about the action. Uh, I don't know that I have too much more. Um, it is interesting. And I'm just curious to get your opinion. And Marcy's not here, so she can't stop me. Sometime I, sometimes I like to talk about what's in the script. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I have a copy of a shooting script of roadhouse. Um, so first, the first thing is this scene in the script takes place not here, but in the double deuce. Take oh, that for what it's worth. In the script, um, you know, these two, are, just like in the movie, these two are kind of going at it and just kind of just destroying each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Wesley's down for the count. He gets up again. In the script, Doc shows up and shoots Wesley with Dalton's gun. Oh, wow. So I'm just curious if you all would you have enjoyed this movie better with mm. a more active doc? Well, it's I, I, that Dalton has a gun. We just decided he doesn't have. Well, a yeah, gun. that's true. So <laughs> yeah. in the script, he has a gun. Okay. Which is he is quickly disarmed at the beginning of this fight scene. But yeah, in the script, he has a gun. I'm not sure I understand Doc's transformation either from sort of not liking the violence to suddenly having a gun and shooting somebody. <laughs> well, yeah. in the shooting script, she's very different. Okay. Oh, okay. Like there's okay. a there's a scene in the script um, from an earlier minute. I think it's from the scene in Dalton's loft where she spots Dalton's gun, just picks mm. it up, and just like fires off three shots across the lake <laughs> <laughs> for no apparent reason. Oh, wow! And then talks about how much she likes shooting a gun. Yeah. Like for this version of Doc, <laughs> very different. Yeah, yeah. I, I that 
version of Doc, I feel like makes a little more sense to me because I, I I'm not sure I buy this uh, transformation she's made here. Yeah, she's well. I mean, I would say for the whole movie, she's sort of uh, she has kind of a helpless quality to her. Hmm. Yeah, I mean that's another you know kind of mid to late '80s action movie trope kind of she's playing that she's she's the girl in the movie she yeah. is not, she's the, not much more than a pretty face yeah that's kind of I, I think i i just at some point after being immersed in it for most of my life i i start to flinch a little bit at the idea that at the end of the movie everybody has to say you're right violence is the answer <laughs> we have let's <laughs> all love violence although but that's i mean that this all sort of gets to my big question from this minute is why do, like he's like he's got Bengazar on the ropes. He's got his hand poised to do the throat ripping thing. And over the course of 10 seconds, he sort of decides not to. Well, this is his big character development moment, Tom. Don't you think? I guess. Well, I, yeah, I, okay. I guess I have two questions because I mean, or it's, <laughs> we're, we're talking about it already, but it's a two sided question. It's like, why does he decide not to do it? And why does the movie decide that he shouldn't do it? Okay, well, I'll go, and then, Pete, you can go. I think the reason why the movie decides not to do it is so we can get that shot of Doc in the next minute coming mm-hmm. upon him and realizing that Dalton is not just a homicidal cyborg. Mm-hmm. Like, he does, in fact, have the ability not to murder every single person that he fights with. Right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take issue with that, by the way. Okay. <laughs> and I will say, so, so going back into the fourth wall and talking about it from the movie's point of view... I think Dalton is, you know, just saying like, you know, you're not worth it. I don't, I don't have mm. to kill you. I've beaten you. I've reduced you to nothing. Yeah. Has okay, he go, go ahead. Well, Pete. yeah, go ahead, Pete. So I, I, you don't, so you see him standing here doing the, I'm going to rip your throat out move with his hand. And he thinks about it for a while and his hand thinks about it for a while. And he, he eventually decides <laughs> not to do it. But it's only after he puts his hand down that you hear the door open and Doc comes in. So she hasn't seen any of this. Oh, so when she comes oh. in, she doesn't see that he could have ripped his throat out. She just. So I'm not sure. I, I buy the. Oh, he's she not a murderous fighting homicidal maniac anymore. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Because what it seems to me, if I, I'll, I'll answer my own question, because it, it seems like <laughs> Tom, what do you think? I thank you for asking. I think that. I think you're right. Yes, of course, for him, it's the matter of I don't have to rip out every throat I see that I'm that I've got a, a problem with. <laughs> um, so there's that. But but it feels like the movie. Obviously, Ben Gazzara has to. He's not gonna just going to go off in handcuffs or something, or he's not going to be let loose to go ruin another <laughs> town or something. He's got to be gruesomely destroyed. And so instead of having his throat ripped out, we get the. Kind of both sides. We get to have our cake and eat it too. We get our right. hero who's yep. who's redeemed, but everybody else comes in who doesn't have a moral dilemma <laughs> and just right. pull them to pieces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is sad. I mean, I'm not saying they shouldn't do that. I think it's it's kind of what the audience wants and and yeah. needs. And uh, I mean, I think it's fun. I think it's an important moment for Dalton because you know if you think back to the fight scene with Jimmy and the conversation that he had with Wade in the diner, like Dalton does this thing after after uh, dethroating Jimmy. Where he, you know, he's, he literally has blood on his hands and he's looking at his hands and it's almost like you can see this thought in his head, um, like, you know, oh my God, maybe it's true. Maybe I just can't not kill somebody when my bloodlust is up or when, mm. when I'm threatened, I do not have the ability to 
take it to not take it all the way to to the logical conclusion. So, but doesn't maybe, he prove that all the time though throughout the movie? Like his his whole thing is like be nice. You know, he's a he's he's the cooler. He's a cool headed guy who can handle a violent situation without going berserk. Right. So I guess the 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 exception I would make, and I think the 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 way in which those those situations were different is that Dalton's life was legitimately in danger, mm-hmm. right? Like the yeah. guy in Memphis was pointing a gun at him. Jimmy right. was pointing a gun at him. So, and, and Brad Wesley points a gun at him, mm-hmm. which uh, we have, I, I, I realize I've walked past this, uh, something else in my notes again. It's, isn't it delightful that we get to see Brad Wesley's tiny, tiny gun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is his yeah. gun uh, that, that he uses in the double deuce when he's decided to take his gun and go home um, and yeah. just kind of end the fight. This, which, right. you know, spoiler alert, this isn't even the tiniest gun that we're going to get this week. Um, but oh, yeah. it's, uh, it, it is, it is a tiny gun, mm-hmm. but, um, what is, what is the moral? I, I guess I struggle a little bit. Like the moral of this story seems to be ultra violent, dangerous people should probably be allowed to self-police themselves. <laughs> yeah. As long society. as they generally have a cool head. Yeah. As long as they're generally... Yeah on the side of what we say is good. <laughs> like, it's probably best if they police themselves. Small town, small town crime and hockey. Pretty much the same thing. <laughs> if you just yeah. leave it alone, yeah. it'll work itself out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so, I mean, one way of thinking about your, the point you made, P, and your question, Tom, is to just view this movie through the lens of a Western. Because everybody mm-hmm. who made this movie, you know, freely just sort of says right up front, this movie is designed to be a modern day Western. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the kind of and and if you if you look at this again, we're talking about a lot of old movies this this week. I feel like this movie is really sort of like it's like a modern day Shane mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, right? You know, sure. it's like small town being terrorized by this uh, big fish in a really small pond. Yeah. You know, the the leader of the good guys hires his white knight who comes in and and you know cleans up the town, um, and so. From that standpoint, you know, it's 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 retelling a a a classic story that we've seen lots of times before, but maybe hadn't seen for a while when this movie mm-hmm. came out. I also feel like the there's an 80s update to Shane in that Shane did not want to be pulled back into becoming violent. Like he was trying to mm. fight against that. Whereas Dalton seems like he's kind of enjoying like being pulled back into being violent. Like he's like he. It seems like or he never stopped. He kinda wants, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I mean, that's his job. job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Whereas right? Shane, Shane was trying to, you know, Shane felt some remorse and some guilt and was trying to get over that. Whereas, yeah, I feel like in the eighties, maybe you weren't supposed to be that reflective. <laughs> You're just supposed <laughs> to keep it up. I mean, again, yeah. you could you could argue that Dalton does have a, a tortured past, and we don't mm-hmm. see it a lot. Like when he's when he's when he's at work. He, you know, it's strictly business for him, but mm. you can still tell that he is haunted by what he did. Yeah. Um, mm. Based on some of those scenes with Sam Elliott. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, you know what? It's a good question. I, Pete, I really appreciate your attempt to try to find some moral center for this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure that Joel Silver was attempting to do that. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that we can't. Right. Um, it's what's in the text, not what what was written into the text. That's yeah. right. Um, I just want to say one thing. I guess I, I know I'm the, usually I'm the only person standing on score corner. 
Um, but I, I gotta love the string work at the mm. end of this minute where it's sort of where, where, uh, Dalton, and I love that you said this, Pete, Dalton and his hand are both trying to debate about what to do. <laughs> and, and we get that sort of that, you know, and it, it just kind of goes on forever. It's yeah. like, like if, if you were in the crowd, you would be asking the DJ, like, you know, when will the beat drop? Yeah. Um, like, yeah. like, when are we going to stop doing this oscillating strings? But it's really effective. Like, it's, it's yeah. a good way of putting a button on this particular fight, I think. Yeah. Were, were you ever... At any time when you saw this, like for the first time, did you think he might rip his throat out? Or did, do you feel like it's sort of telegraphed that he's not I, going to rip his throat out? I can't. I know this won't surprise you when you hear me say this. I can't remember what it was like to have seen this for the first time mm, now mm, that I've yeah. had to dissect it as yeah. one minute at a time. Yeah. Believe it or not, I only saw this movie maybe. I've, I saw this movie for the first time less than a decade ago. Hmm. Okay. I, I did not grow wow. up with this movie like some of the other people mm. that we've had on the podcast. Uh -huh. mm. um, and so I came at this not with a 13-year-old boy's sensibility. Mm -hmm. or I, I would have been a, yeah, I would have been about a 12 or 13-year-old boy, which, by the way, is exactly the target audience for this movie. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> but, but that wasn't me. You know, I came to this movie as like a guy in his late 30s. And so uh, I probably, I, I don't know. I don't know what I thought at the time. Um mm -hmm. It all happened so fast. I mean, let, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. 60 seconds from now, we're going to plug Brad Wesley full of holes. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so, I don't think I had the time to like break it down minute by minute when I was watching yeah. it the first time. So honestly, I don't know, but that's a really good question, Pete. I mean, I have to Tom, say, since, Tom, what did you think was going to happen since you are our most yeah. recent uh, inductee into the Roadhouse I am, fan, my, fan look, group? I feel like... My expectation was sort of flavored by one of the things you always hear about this movie is, oh, yeah, he rips a guy's throat out with his bare hands. And so it's happened once already. And when it happened, I was like, oh, after all these years, I see the guy's throat get ripped out, and that, that's it? It's kind of like just like a splash of red. I was expecting some, like, crazy, gory thing, like, <laughs> like a, a pipe in his hand. He shoots yeah, the stars. Yeah. And, um, so finish him. So I, I felt like exactly yeah come here um, fatality exactly but then so I I did kind of expect like oh this must be the scene that everyone's talking about that he does it to Ben Gazar mm. and his throat out and gets all over the couch and everything um, so in that sense I was kind of expecting it but then as soon as I saw him sort of thinking about it and going like Doctor Octopus and talking to his hand and stuff with his mind were you um, uh, and I was like, oh okay he's not gonna do it were you disappointed. Uh, no. Probably I mean, it's hard, to be, it, it's hard to be disappointed because of the minute that's about to come Exactly. Next. You kind of know that that's going to happen. As soon as you see that he's not going to kill him that way, you're like, well, then I get to look forward to the way he does get brutally killed. That's so, right. You know, it's going to happen. I only have one more note about the action in this minute, which is right at the very end of this minute. I just want to point out, and you all, unfortunately, didn't get a chance to see this. We do get a delightful, really quick shot reminder about the fact that Brad Wesley actually has an entire stuffed giraffe in his trophy room. Did you, <laughs> oh, yeah. did you notice the giraffe? I did not, not until you noticed. You oh mentioned it. Okay, so go back later on and play Where's Waldo. If you go right to the end of this minute, just to oh, the I right, see the legs. Yeah. those are the legs. Yeah. The rest of the giraffe is actually in this room. <laughs> there are scenes where you see he has wow. an entire giraffe Man. in this room. <laughs> How'd they get it in there? You know, we talked about that on the last minute. Okay. We, had, we had several theories. One is yeah. perhaps you paid enough to have a taxidermist uh, mount in place. Oh, maybe, yeah. Or 
it was one of those things where they just like tipped it over on its side and then somehow just kind of brought it into one of the big uh, yeah. big glass yeah. doors. Jimmy yeah. then. I'd accept either one. I would have loved to have been the moving crew that was like, "Yeah, we're gonna try. We're gonna try to end around this corner a giraffe." Yeah. Um, or you picture like Animal House and like they get out the chainsaw. Yeah, exactly. That's possible yeah. too. Maybe it came in parts, and you just Maybe, like yeah. you just yeah. you just the like kit. pop a pop the neck onto the rest of the body. Yeah, it's an IKEA giraffe. It's like one of those horrible toys. I don't know if you all have kids. I've got kids that are now double digit age, so I haven't had to yeah. do this in a long time. Maybe the giraffe came some assembly required. Oh uh, yeah, there's always that. <laughs> yeah, your parents that. help you put it together. Oh my if god, if they're still around after they try. So many, so many late nights before Christmas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, do you all have anything else about the action this minute before our guest segment? Uh, no, I don't think I do. Well, good. Well, I'm really excited to do this on our Wednesday shows because we're going to get to do it twice today. We're going to do it separately with each one of you on our Wednesday shows. We like to have a little fun with our guests. This is sort of a it's it's a bit of a personality quiz of sorts. So I'm going to ask each one of you. Which one of Brad Wesley's henchmen do you most identify with? Oh, my God. Um, mm. And this doesn't have to be, like, physically. Um, you can yeah. take this question in whichever way you see fit. Yeah, I'm not going to say either of the taller guys, because that's obvious and boring. <laughs> and it diminishes us both. Uh, I, who, I I forget his name, but the guy who's always wearing a tie. And he you seems are, like slightly the less violent of the bunch. Are you talking about O'Connor, the messy bleeder? Or Carpus? No, the, not the... He's he's uh he's one of the two guys. He's with uh Jimmy when they when they've you, like vandalized the the auto you, parts. To you've cho- you've chosen Carpus the Carpus okay the seldom seen henchman. I think I, you're our first Carpus time. Tell us tell <laughs> really? us why why in God's name have you picked this slightest of all henchmen? He, I know he's in a couple of fight scenes and he gets involved in them and stuff, but he seems like the least um gun happy two fisted of the bunch. Um, but he, but he's, he's like, he's, he's in on like, yeah, like vandalizing the auto parts place and, and he's there and he's part of the gang and it's kind of, I wonder if he gets made fun of wearing a tie and stuff, yeah. if they just don't well, get him and like, oh my God, you in that tie. Since you picked Carpus, Tom, uh, you mm-hmm. might've noticed, for example, that he was not here in the final scene. He was not killed. True. We actually haven't seen him for a pretty large portion of the movie. And mm-hmm. since you brought up Carpus. Nobody's brought up Carpus in like the last 40 minutes of the movie. Um, <laughs> I will share with you. So there is a, there's a lot about Carpus in the shooting script that okay. I think was maybe filmed or maybe they just realized this is crazy and never filmed. It didn't make it into the movie. <laughs> I will tell you this in the shooting script, Carpus actually does a face turn and becomes oh. one of the good guys and starts to work for red. That's the good wow. news. Tom. Oh. I have some bad news for you though. <laughs> mm-hmm. This doesn't end well for him. His uh, his deception is uh, uncovered by Brad Wesley, and without getting into too much gory details, let's just say that he he suffers death by castration. Oh man! So uh, well, you, oh, it's not the, canon. The, so maybe I'm okay. In the choose your own adventure universe of Roadhouse, Tom, <laughs> you chose poorly. I think I did choose poorly. How about you, Pete? Man, maybe the the, the skimming bartender, Pat the bartender. Tell yeah. us why. <laughs> Well, I, he seems well, like he's a little less involved with some of the violence, but he's still getting some of the fun. Like he's getting a little bit of extra cash. He mm-hmm. gets to have fun with everybody. Yeah. I love the thing I love. I think the thing I love best about Pat, if you remember back to the scene uh, with the Mercedes, Pat really loves shooting a shotgun. 
Mm. Like, I don't know that I've ever seen somebody gyrate their hips so much when discharging a weapon. <laughs> and this is this is right after he deploys it as a back scratcher. Oh yeah, he does some great things. Do you all know the the actor who plays uh, Pat the bartender is a a man named John Doe. Um, who's actually the lead singer of the band X. I knew he looked familiar. That's Thank John you. Doe wow. from X. Man, that's so, amazing. Which I don't know anything about because I don't know punk rock from anywhere. I'll be honest, I barely do. I'm being a bit of a poser right now, but that's uh, okay. But yeah, no, I because he's he's done he has done some acting. He's shown up in some he's done a lot of now. acting. Yeah. He's got he has several dozen credits in the IMDb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think he does a bit of both. Cool. Um, but people like Pete the Retailer, who who legitimately like punk rock, were very excited to see yeah. uh, him in this movie. Just like people who are really into wrestling are really excited to see Terry Funk. Uh, sure. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, wow. So we have a we have a a Carpus and Pat duo here. I'll tell you what. <laughs> one us. more one more quick question, and he won't be able to defend himself because he's not here. Who do you mm. think is the henchman that Jerry most resembles? Oh my God! I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> I, he, I mean, the first thing I think of is Terry Funk. He's the Morgan. guy who gets, he gets fired at the beginning, right? He He's gets fired because he yeah, doesn't have the temperament for the group. trade, and there's always I mean, Barber College for him. He physically looks a little bit like Jerry. He's yeah. got the kind of like at, when Jerry's at his shaggiest. He's like got the kind of curlyish curly hair, hair and, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. He looks like he smells and he doesn't take care of himself <laughs> yeah. properly. No, I've, I've second all of that. Yeah. yeah. All right. He knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> like I said, he's not here to defend himself, so I 100% agree with that. Okay. All right. Uh, Pete, since you didn't get a chance last time, do you want to just kind of share with our listeners all the places where they can uh, see and hear you all on the internet? Sure, thanks. Yeah, uh, Tom and I and uh, the the curly-haired sort of <laughs> odoriferous fellow uh, wow. do a podcast um, about Indiana Jones, which is a lot like this podcast where we talk about every single minute, one minute at a time, and you can find that at indianajonesminute.com. Very good. And you should check out the Facebook group. I'm just going to keep plugging it, even though you oh, all don't. You. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's great. I, I appreciate the fact that you said it's a lot like this. If, if I could somehow pick up a tenth of the listeners that you all have, I'd have twice <laughs> as many listeners as I have now. <laughs> that would be exciting. But I appreciate that. All right. Well, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Roadhouse Minute. Please, if you can, rate and review us on your favorite podcatching app. Come and join us on Facebook at The New Double Deuce. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at @rhminute, and you can email us at daltonsaysbenice at gmail.com. So remember, until next time, be nice. Bye now. 